This week on the audio podcast, show number 72, nobody swears, but it's a really close thing. We talk about audio in the browser. We celebrate the CD's launch in Japan and ponder whether anything exciting happened in the world of audio tech on Adam Yancha's original birthday. All this and a whole load more stuff on this week's The Audio Podcast. I'm ready. Yeah, go on then. No worries. It's the 1st of October. It's Monday at the new time of 9pm. This is The Audio Podcast, episode number 72. I'm Scott. That's Adam Yanch celebrating. And Sam Freeman has no hair. Still, still on the head. This is not the first time I've been on the head, head. But yeah, I'm, I'm back. Again, having been gone, I'm back and back again. <sighs> awesome stuff. Well, this is episode 72, CD Party. Shall we just charge straight into it? Let's do it. What's yeah. first? <laughs> What's okay. first? Something that you added newly in the last minute, so you should take it, Scott. Okay. In the browser. Yes, yeah, so a CDM. Um, have reported that the, well, what I've referred to as the ongoing, yes, one day we'll have audio working in the browser properly and the mobile thing properly, but maybe not, have reported that there is a beta version of Chrome available, well, a, a nightly development version of Chrome available, which actually has audio input in the browser. Mm. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, because well, we have, it seems we have audio you input now, yeah. Yeah, I'm using Chrome right now, and I can hear you, and you can hear me, so, you know... What's the problem? Well, actually, I thought about that. I was talking to someone today, and they said, or oh, if you want to come on the show, you're going to have to get the um, plug-in to make that work. So this is, we're currently using a, an extension to the browser to oh, make yes. this happen. I forgot that I installed that. It, you install it once, and then you just forget that yep. it's even installed. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing this new experimental version has that built into the browser or something. Yeah, that that's correct. But the idea being that the fu- the I- well, at some point in the future, we could get to the point where you could actually have a well. The the illustration they give us a stomp box, but you could actually browse to a web page, and that you actually operates stomp on as your a laptop. stomp box. That's right. Yeah, that's great. Oh look, here's a new website. I'm going to stomp on it with my foot. <laughs> do you think so, Apple will? Uh, do you think Apple will uh, take the computer back within the one year warranty? Technically, two year warranty. Should be a two-year warranty. If it has it, a giant footprint in the middle of the screen. They always ask, is there, is there any water damage? They always ask that, because they can tell when they open it up if there is or not. And they always ask. So they yeah. start asking, is, have you stomped on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's important to, uh, to never use your laptop in the bath, just in case you get out of the bath and stand on it. That's, that's the danger. Well, you see, I used to lend my old laptop to my goldfish, and... Uh, no, I've never had a goldfish. Never had a goldfish. <laughs> oh. But and anyway, the the standards are ongoing. The you know, and and it is there. So the unstable Chrome build has a live audio input into it, which doesn't require a plugin, and you know, could could potentially allow the you know effects processing and things like that to actually occur inside the browser possibly even kind of recording platforms to be fully integrated into the browser and not requiring kind of proprietary or third-party plugins into the system as well, which is which is really exciting. And they're looking to, you know, get MIDI into the browser as well. And I guess it's all being driven by the kind of Google Chromebook experiment, which is kind of ongoing, but also the fact that, you know, the native application, mobile application space and 
you know those kind of puzzles that are in that are existing there at the moment as well. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. I don't actually think it'll ever happen to be honest. Well, this, um, this this story that you've posted is quite new. So there's only been one comment response to it. So usually I would read them but not say anything. But seeing as there's only one, I'm going to point out that this person, um, Jory, has said that there's 25 percent of iOS devices have the Web Audio API, but there's no still no support for that kind of thing on Android. They, sorry, got nothing to do with what you were saying and asking, but that's what I was reading it while you were saying it. So. Oh well, well, yeah, that's the that's the mobile side of it, isn't it? Where Android is just deadened. Uh, Android is just dead in terms of audio audio space. There's no part of it's been built to do this kind of real time DSP processing at all. Which, so, given it's built into telephones, seems a bit strange. <laughs> sure, it sure. Definitely seems disappointing. <laughs> with one way of looking at it. Sure, 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 sure. Patrol! Shore Patrol! Excellent. Moving on with the thing there. So, Shore Patrol, this is the Snow Report, the Snow, <laughs> Snow Patrol Remix competition, which we mentioned a little while ago, is now live as of this afternoon or so. Woohoo! Hey! Um, awesome. So, the, the question we want to know is what, what, what do they want? What do they want and what are you allowed to do with it? So terms and conditions. Terms and conditions apply. Um, it's nothing that special. The thing that always strikes me about Shaw these days and their online stuff is they're very keen to point out that, they're, that they are, are very good with your online data and they will delete stuff. So the email that I signed up for to get reminded about this, in the email it says, we will now delete your email address for this reason. You know, you, you gave us your email address for this reason, we've now deleted it, kind of thing. Who, who are you? I, I don't know who we're talking to here. Uh, sorry, sorry. So, uh, uh, remix competition. Um, do, do we know what the the is the well, what's the tune? What's the tune? Snow Patrol tune, obviously. Oh, yeah. I, I was reading the terms and conditions. I'm sorry, it's completely distracted. <laughs> Snow Patrol's fallen empires and win amazing prizes. Oh wow! What are the amazing? amazing um, you get is it fifteen hundred euros of vouchers to spend on Shaw products. So you actually get to Surely pick not. Oh, I've already done that joke. Sorry. <laughs> Surely not. AKG whiz, man. <laughs> uh, the, catch, the only catch is once you upload your remix to them, you're not allowed to do anything else with it ever, apart from link to the streaming thing of which they provide. So you upload your remix, you're not allowed to do anything with it ever apart from link to them streaming it for you. Can you set fire to it? It's a digital thing. I don't I I'd lo- I'd like to see you try. Are you allowed to are you allowed to listen to it or are you only allowed to repost a link to it? You're not allowed to post a link to a download of it. Oh. Explicitly not allowed to do that. Okay. Now Sam I'll yep. take you. Up, I'll take you up on that. Setting fire to digital, and I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to use a technology that's been around for thirty years, thirty years, and that we still use today, and is a, has been a significant part of the music business. Can you tell me what that technology is? Thirty years. Thing. Would you be talking about the CD player? Hmm. Yes, maybe I am. Maybe I am. I'm certainly not talking about MIDI. No, no, not. Though so we could talk about MIDI if we wanted to, but no, we're we're, we're <laughs> not. We're gonna we're gonna talk about 
the compact disc, 30 years old. Is that today? It is. Um, it's the compact disc player was launched 30 years ago today. Well, that's silly. It's like, oh, here's a player. <laughs> what are you going to play on it? No, the, no. You see, the compact disc itself was announced and pre-announced and kind of. Oh, like, that already existed earlier. Yes. Right. Okay. But, so there are all these discs around, and nobody knew how to play them, and then they had to wait until thirty years ago, this week or today. Yep. Yeah. It is actually today. Yes, it is actually today. Yeah. So Scott has linked to a article on TechHive.com, which has, if you scroll down on it, a history of the CD, which begins in 1965 with Mr. Russell. Um, painting the um, and when when did they actually settle on? So it was 1980 that they settled on the 120 millimeter size, and then 81 when yeah. So there you go. So it was around a bit before the disc itself. But you, I guess you need to have something to play in order to build a player. That, that's well, not... chicken and egg, isn't it? It's chicken and egg. <laughs> and That's you know what? Entry. People like omelettes. And there, there is an interesting aside to this that we'll be able to celebrate this 30th birthday later on next year as well. For the 31st. No, no. So uh, an interesting aside to it is that this was actually the J Japan only release because Philips, the co-developers, weren't ready. They didn't have a working device at this point. So the worldwide <laughs> release was delayed to March 83. So, as a consequence, in March 83, we will be able to celebrate the 30th anniversary of CDs outside of Japan. Hey, Scott, weren't you born in March? Uh, in March? Yes, in, in March 83. I don't, I don't know if it's the same day. I'd like to... Maybe Were you born in March 83? That's right, yeah. Oh, wow. So you're about the same age as the first Philips CD player. I, I mean, you're younger than that, so I'm, I'm about the same age as the um, first Sony portable CD player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm already 30, um, so I, I don't know what interesting audio tech thing happened in November 1981, but if, whatever it was, it. <laughs> that was me. That was me. So I, I, I thought it was interesting. Something I was reading about this, because obviously I thought it was interesting. Something I didn't realize was that the reason we have it's 16-bit rather than 14-bit was because Philips had a 14-bit DAC that worked, and Sony didn't have any that worked. So Sony deliberately wanted it to be a different standard, so <laughs> Philips would have to develop, would have well, to develop one from scratch like they were having to do. Which I thought was really interesting. In the end, though, 16-bit is so much more sensible than it's like. MIDI is a bit silly because actually it only uses 7 bits. It uses 8 bits, but for the actual control, it uses 7 bits, 0 to 1, 2, 7, and not 0 to, what, to 2, 5, 6. So, you know, those two extra bits multiply out, multiply out, thanks to uh, power of two mathematics. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it was a good, a good cheeky choice. I think if it was 14-bit, I'd be like, oh... It's like OCD. I don't like it because it's not a, a proper, like, you need 8-bit, 16-bit, or 24-bit. Well, that's with retrospects that we have, like, you see, if, if they had just gone with the 14-bit, then, then we, 30 years on, we'd be thinking different. Well, the, the CD might have already fallen to the next audio standard. Which, which might uh, be 28-bit, you know. Uh, we're not well, going there just yet, because <laughs> oh, okay. there's one more okay. cool fact, okay. one more cool okay. feature I want to get. 
I was reading the Wikipedia page on this uh, on on the CDP 101, which was the CD player, and apparently the the digital audio converters were so expensive to make they only put one of them into this CD player, and they hadn't worked out how to do the sample and hold circuitry. So as a consequence, the, it did the left channel, then the right channel, left channel, then the right channel, which meant that each it which meant that the two channels were actually out of sync by approximately eleven is that picoseconds. Like the the backwards you you backwards why? Uh, that's micro microseconds. Sorry, so I so that that's a, that's a kind of rudimentary kind of audio interlacing, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's cool that you have an entire audio format which is pitched on it's going to be the highest quality possible, and then you just undermine it entirely in the playback situation <laughs> with this kind of design feature. I think that's well, great. But Adam, that, I, you had some incredibly slick. Yeah, I was, I was trying to be too slick for my own good, really. Um, so, yeah, the 16-bit uh, 44.1 of good old CDs been with us for 30 years now. Um, and I think there's been a, a... You know, we've had MP3. That's kind of gone off one side into more low-quality territory, low-quality, in inverted commas, territory. Uh, but there's also been a push to go the other way into higher-quality territory with uh, with formats like... DVD A and SACD, and uh, going going into 2496, and also that one megahertz, one bit thing. Uh, I can't remember the name of the standard. Um, interestingly, now um, we might actually be getting someone with a higher quality audio format, but it's a digital, just a digital version without the actual physical physical thing. And it's called Pono or Pono. I, I don't know. I mean, if if you, it's P O N O, and if you spe- spelt it B O N O, it would be Bono. So uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so Pono looks to me to be a music service for audio files, which supports audio. Or is it of up to one nine two kilohertz and twenty four bits, or is it exactly one nine two twenty four? Or twenty-four one nine two, as we should say. I think, as is often the case in these scenarios, the the it's a little bit nebulous that number right now. In that 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 is what they want it to do, but obviously the people who actually control the the music themselves will make that final decision as to what quality they're willing to give out. Um, and it's been announced by Neil Young, so he must be a significant player in that. He, I think, he's kind of been very interested in having higher quality and higher quality things available for download. And, I mean, to an extent, I agree with him. I will not download music or purchase music and download it unless it's at least CD quality. Uh, I'll usually go for a flack, but it's got to be 16-bit, 44-1. I'm not going to go and download an album in MP3 because that's like buying a very cheap car. <laughs> no, that's not a very good analogy. But uh, I see where he's coming from. I think we've got a little uh, discussion we can have on whether 24192 is going a bit too far. It's maybe kind of uh, too much. Well, so I, I was thinking about this. So the the idea of 24192, obviously, that's referring to the sample rate and the and the bit depth, which you know translates into better high frequency reproduction and more levels of more levels of internal amplitude just like as you know in a very kind of 
kind of overarching kind of summary of that. So I think we've got two things. First of all, if we're going to comp- if if the loudness war continues and we're going to compress everything hard and flat, then we've already, you know, I mean, it, are we ever going to even hear that kind of addition, the additional kind of you know bit depth in there? And then I I think also the higher frequency reproduction that the one nine two is going to offer us is only really going to be of use. If the monitoring that we're list- the monitoring that we're on, be that headphones or speakers, is also capable of getting that reproduction, and I would suggest that most people listening to music on their iPod probably aren't listening on a pair of headphones, which are going to make full purpose of that. And that well, includes is, is, the kind of two hundred pound headphone people. I'm saying that's still not going to actually do the job. And is the iPod actually going to be technically capable of taking the getting the best out of that one nine two? Of course, it goes back into the recording realm as well. Who records at 192? There will be people who do. But it's... uh, Sorry if it's a bit noisy through my microphone. Everyone seems to be going out and having a great time outside my window. Um, Yeah, uh, it's like... Up till now, I've only recorded music 16441 because I know... I've known the limitations and also maybe I know it's not going to be like a huge production or anything. I've got limited computing resources. So 16.41 is fine because I know that CD would be the the top level and I don't really think anyone would notice if it went up. I think in the future I might jump to 24.96, but to really get the best out of it, you have to have it all the way through the chain, I would have thought. I mean, there'll be parts where there'll be maybe through a mastering process where having that extra the extra sample rate might help um, because you have to reprocess it anyway I don't know I mean what do you well, think about the, that the extra bit depth is obviously important in terms of in internal internal calculation inside the door but then most most software platforms are running at are like at running at 32 bit float to do that so that's an entirely you know, I mean, that higher accuracy is there in terms of mix, in terms of internally on the computer in the kind of processing phase, isn't it? But then when it's being written down onto the device, written down onto a format for playback onto a kind of dedicated device or something like that, then, you know, that's where we're seeing that. In in terms of the iPod, this um, there wasn't a lot of detail about what the actual business model or the kind of provision of the music service is going to be, but they did also demonstrate a kind of player as well. A, a hardware device that would play these files back, which I think is an acknowledgement that all the device, mobile devices out there just aren't going to do that job right now. Um, the, the link, there's a picture of it on the Gizmodo link, and I can only really describe it to you as a, it's a kind of iPod Nano missing the scroll wheel, which looks like a Toblerone and is bright yellow. <laughs> oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go have a look at that. If you look at that link right now, that is exactly what you will think. If if you were to try and describe it back to me, that is what it is. It is a yellow triangle. Oh, yeah, check that. Oh, yeah. It has a couple of big buttons and, like, a little screen, which says the word Pono in kind of of that blue kind of PSD... What do you call that when it changes color? Gradient, that's it. It's like a gradient on it. I wonder if somebody's put that on that afterwards. Why why is it triangular at the back? That's really weird. This. No one's going to understand. I like triangles. I think triangles are great. They're probably my favourite shape, but I wouldn't use it in that context. Anyway, it, I, I guess that's a very early mock-up, though, doesn't it? it? It looks like a very early mock-up to me. I can't imagine that's the thing they're going to actually produce and manufacture, put into production. 
Well, no, because they haven't actually settled on the. This is the opposite of the CD thing. This is um, the players being announced before the format. The format is as yet unconfirmed. So. But wouldn't it just be like a PCM format or or a, a lossless format with a high bit rate? Because FLAX, you can do twenty four one nine two FLAC, can't you? Yeah, you, you definitely you definitely can, can't you? I I suspect it's going to be a you know PWM kind of feel to it. I kind of wonder if we're going to see the return of some sort of, I don't want to say DRM, but some sort of awkwardness, you know, like a, a deliberate mm. use of a file format that isn't very well supported just to, just because that annoys people. Well, that's silly because that's that's like, that's like tying your legs together and then telling yourself to go to work and walk to work, you know, half an hour walk. That's what that is. Um, I think we can pretty much say that DRM is pretty much shown to not be the best idea. Mm. I'm not a fan. But it'd be in, it's, in, it's interesting to look at it, isn't it? Because I'm sure we're going to get a whole load of those moments coming up and, you know, we're going to see re-releases of 80s music, you know, at, at this kind of resolution where quite clearly it was recorded, you know... Well, of course, that's the interesting lower thing about... As well. That's the interesting thing about Neil Young is he'll have a ton of music that's on tape, and it's probably been digitized at that level or even better. But, of course, there's no release at that quality. So he's the kind of person who can really benefit from re-releasing all of his back catalogue in this ultra-high quality format because it probably already exists like that and he just has to phone up someone and say, go, and it'll be on the on the website in, like, two weeks or something, yeah. it's not going to be as easy for people who have been doing stuff on computers for the last 10, 20 years, because, recording 10, 20 years, because I, how does the conversion work? Anyway, we've, talk, we've done quite a lot of talking about that, so I think we should move on. I think just the last thing in response to that is that part of the story that's going around at the moment is that the, on board with this whole Pono idea is... Um, labels like Universal are are interested and, or allegedly perhaps interested. So people will be maybe behind the scenes getting ready for such a thing. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Anyway, so if you wanted to record at these higher things, maybe you would want a new Spangly digital audio workstation. Oh, don't talk about Spangles. I've talked about Spangles before. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's just a, a reference to an older show of the audio podcast. And it's out. So, uh, Sonar X2 and Moto DPA DB8 uh, DP8 have arrived, and DP8 also supports Windows. Yay! <laughs> now, um, Sonar X2. Does that go up to 64-bit float uh, processing, internal processing? I did read something in Sound on Sound, the new Sound on Sound, about a, a, a new DAW that it that has, I think it's Sonar X2, but I'm not totally sure, and it might just be like a, a, a news article, but its internal processing is up to 64-bit or even further than that. Um, is is that true? D 
DP8 has that written on it on this story that's been linked to. Okay. So making use of the new 64-bit processors and operating systems. Um, well, I say new. They've probably been in that state for a little while now. But it takes a while to go down into your audio program and make sure that everything works at that bit rate. So um, what, what else can you say about DP8 and Sonar X2? I've never used Sonar nor DP8, <laughs> nor digital performer. Well, I, I've, I've used both of them, saying I, I think the big, you know, the DP8 comes with a whole load of new plugins inside it, um, which are available with new plugins. It also comes with the ability to theme your interface, which is something I just don't understand. Either. Hold on, what, which is this? DP8? Yeah, this is DP8, yeah, digital performer. Okay. It comes with the ability to theme your interface. Now, I have to confess to you, I've never once looked at any door and thought to myself, I really wish all the faders were purple. Not even Reaper. No, no, nothing ever. <laughs> but apparently, some people may be into that. I don't know. Um, There's probably a, a Reaper a kind of thing that they think people who like Reaper do. Yeah. Um, this says uh, SoundCloud ex- SoundCloud export in Sonar X2. Okay. And um, the Armix um, is inside there as part of the effects, which is Roland's kind of visual editing kind of system. As well, no. It's kind of nice. Mm, mm. DP8, well, VST and Rewire on both OS X and Windows. Do you, you see, I don't get, I'm not sure about this. DP8 on Windows, it's like, you know, Windows isn't a great platform. I don't like Windows. You I know, understand. I know why they're doing it. Why? I, I'm going to tell you why I think they're doing it. Okay, I don't know. I don't know exactly why. I think it's because you can't. Maybe there are there are modes who are just a little bit worried about what might happen to the Mac platform, and so they think, okay, let's make Digital Performer for Windows as well. And then if something happens, like with Gatekeeper, if it comes to a point where you can only buy, for example, you can only buy software on the Mac App Store, and Digital Performer can't get on there then people who use Digital Performer can switch over to Windows. It's a safety net. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I think you're right, actually, because anybody who has a Mac, if that scenario was to ever play out, all they would actually need to do is go and buy a copy of Windows. Yeah. And that would move them across straight away. So And, and they'd have to put up with Windows, but... Whatever they'd still have access to their uh, to their reasonably whichever DP files will be compatible with the Windows version and everything. So at least there's some overlap. Of course, it won't be a completely painless transition. It will also depend on effects, uh, third-party effects, and other things like that. So um, at least. At least there is a way out if you're a DP user, is the way I think it is. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. That's great choice. Something else they point out, because DPA is, plat- is cross-platform now and is fully complete cross-platform, so what it means is that you can actually run VST, you, can, you could run VST effects inside DPA and have a session be transferable between Windows and Mac, whereas... That's not a that's not an option with some of the other some of the other doors which only use QVST or only use you know 
or only use audio units? Well, is it just the logic that only uses audio units? I think Cubase on OS X is quite awkward to use audio units with, isn't it? Well, no, 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 but Cubase should use VST because, of course, it's a, VST is a Steinberg technology and it makes sense. I suppose that's a good tip. If you're going to use a cross-platform DAW and you have the choice between using a VST plugin and an AU plugin, use VST, and that will safeguard you switching back across to an, the other platform if you need. That's cool. I'd never thought of that. No, that's very cool. Uh, one other feature, and then maybe we can be done here, but we'll see what you guys' opinion is. Um, another feature I've never really thought I wanted in the door, but um, you can also now watch uh, watch your 1080p HD video in 1080p inside DP8 as well. So, mm. There we go. 1,080p's. That's a lot of P's. It's a lot of P's. Just in the line, bouncing up and down as well. It's It's just weird. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> Sam, rescue us. Rescue us. I'm taking damage here. Um, that's the name of the next story. That's the best I could do. <laughs> I haven't read this. I can't rescue you. Hold on, hold on. But we're, we're, we're switching. We're, we're switching. We've just finished the news. Is that the end of the news? That's oh, the yeah. end of the news. Oh, if, I, uh, okay. if, if I've got the correct notes here, that's the end of the yeah. news. You have yeah. the correct news. And also something we haven't done yet is we haven't actually told the listeners that there is a audio podcast website at uh, theaudiopodcast.co.uk. You can see the show notes for this show and past shows at that website. And we're also on Twitter um, at the audio podcast. And there's like a, a Google Plus and something else and something else. I mean, <laughs> we're there, you know, social Look, media. The internet is all you're saying. I'm saying social media, we have two thumbs up. <laughs> Left and right. Oh, Check that out. On screen. We, we have two thumbs up. Not only that, I, have we actually mentioned, but we recently became the number one hit for the Space Audio Space podcast on a Google search as well, which is quite exciting. I think we did mention that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exciting for you, Scott, because you enjoy SEO and that kind of thing. Um, Scott, so, if you... If you it just put audio your podcast without the, does, what about that? Is that, is that I haven't checked that one. Is that... I don't want to check that one. <laughs> what happens if you spell it with podcast with a space in the middle there? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to head into the plunder. That was the news. Before we head into the plunder, though, just a little, a little kind of tempter for everybody. The, uh, the audio podcast, will be having another live excursion in November Ooh. to Leicester. Um, a live excursion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean like what we did with uh, the Max for Live thing? Yeah, uh, Max what we for did. Live, that was well, that's not what yeah. it was called. I, I, I'd intended to put it into the notes today, and I just couldn't get around to it, so I'm just freestyling a little bit. But the team who organised them for you down in Leicester, which was the Max conference, have an Ableton Live conference coming up in Le in Leicester in November this year. So the audio podcast will be there. That's great be because as helpful as we always are. All three of us are completely steeped in uh, Ableton Live. I mean, I, I know I am. You know, I, I literally <laughs> sleep and breathe it. You know, it's right here. <laughs> well, Adam, as, as much as you're saying that sarcastically about yourself, I, I actually spend 12 hours a week with Ableton Live now. Ooh. A number of times I'm finding it a very useful and exciting asset in my audio development toolkit. No, audio development toolkit. I hope Chuck, I hope Chuck is okay with that. Yeah. 
Who are? It's plunder time. I'll go first because I put this one here. Audio Geek Zine has a great tutorial about multi-brand, multi-brand, multi-band compression. Multi-band compression is actually a, a, a real favorite of mine. Um, if you don't know what it is, you should go check it out. But essentially, rather than kind of doing doing lots of EQ to kind of fix the kind of spectrum of your mix, you can use a compressor to do it as well. And you get a, a kind of different feel about it, but I really like it, and I find it a more subtle and fun thing to do. So I'm pitching you on the idea that you should do it if you don't know what it is. And here's the tutorial that will kind of get you started in that kind of thing. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so what next? While you were reading that, I was going for the one that, you, that was, you've added to since I refreshed the page. But this one's called Taking Damage. And <laughs> this is brilliant. This is talking about um, recording audio for games and stuff like that and, you know, voice acting. And Taking Damage is a reference to it when characters in games are, are hit, I suppose. And not just hit, hit in specific places and the different sounds you might make if you were hit in the face or the chest or the arm or the stomach. And I've not played them, but I should imagine it. If I hit play on there, there would be some some wonderful grunting noises. Can, can and... I can I do some? I'll do some. Oh, oh. That, that had a great street fight. No, what was it? A streets of rage from uh, the kind of master system. That's what I was feeling there, Adam. <laughs> uh, there might be a little bit of that in there, yeah. <laughs> because uh, really, when I think about like being hit in a computer game, I go straight back to Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and all of those, and did that, those kinds of low-quality sounds. Sorry, Sam, I interrupted with my own little set, but uh, if, no, no, if any, if any listeners would like to sample those and use them in their own game, that's fine by me. Fine by me. Go for it. Just say, Adam Yanch did those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Before they play the sample every time. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you said that. Buy me a beer next time you see me. That's fine. Okay. Um, Sam, I think you put the Mr. Rozo one on. I did, Mr. Wazo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Him. So. It is him, and he's got. Oh. <laughs> We're I still mean... going to get a takedown request because of that, Adam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this time we can trade it for um for hit noises. Am I still on? Yeah, yeah, you're still there. Okay. Sorry. Good, um, okay. I was less enamoured with this website when I saw it today. When I first came across this, I thought it was wonderful, but today it annoyed me a bit. But that's Mr. Wazo for you. But he's got an EP. The EP is great, and you can download it for free. For free through the website so ooh. Ooh. I like free music and I'm going to go and do that yeah, yeah. it's um, many, many a track it's an EP I think it's totals about 17 minutes when you play them all or something it's good, good stuff and now the last the, uh, the, the last plunder I, I think I'm half res- well no I'm totally responsible for no I'm only half responsible for it because I posted it in Facebook and obviously Scott picked it up Though actually, Scott, you probably follow the chap who originally yes. um, posted it, so you would have probably seen it anyway. Well, what it is? Well, it's uh, Will. We'll just say Will. We're, we're grateful it's, to it's Will, Will. Who, oh, who will know who he is to us if he hears. I, I am always grateful to Will. Awesome guy, uh, based in Froome, Somerset, uh, audio audio technician. 
Um, anyway, so the the post is basically a very hilarious uh, for <laughs> sale on, poster. Careful. <laughs> for sale poster for <laughs> for an Mbox Pro. I'm not going. Well, we'll lose our special clean status if I really say anything from it. So just go to the website, go to the audio podcast of co.uk, show 72, last item on the list there, and have a look at it. Let me just have a... <laughs> no, don't look at it. I'm looking, I'm, I've just taken it off my screen because like, just, the temptation to read bits is just... I, I, I'm, I'm going to read one bit and I'm going to filter out the rudeness. So this is within the main body, and it says... You're going to need a wrist splint from all of the high fives your friends are going to give you when you plug this into your computer. So basically, <laughs> they're just trying to big up an Mbox Pro and try and get someone to buy it. But it's, it's just genius. You know, I can't do it justice here um, in audio and without the uh, swear words. Yes, no. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. We, there's since been a few others that I, I do wonder if we might have to start kind of cataloging these because I've seen some great ones recently. A little archive. Yeah, a little archive of fun pictures. But that's um, that's it all. Did we say the name of the... Uh, did we say Randy Coppinger? Randy Coppinger is the name of the guy who was doing the taking damage. I don't think we ever said it on the show. So oh, sorry. That. That's yep. all right. I just, you know, my little, my little what's, thing. Just what's that? What, uh? That was his name. Oh, the guy oh. who was doing the taking damage sound effects. And there's oh. a wonderful picture of presumably him being kicked in the um, in the stomach by a small child. <laughs> is there? There is. I, I I think he has as much fun at work as we do. <laughs> I'm I'm telling I'm telling you listeners, the audio podcast website is full of gems this week. You have to go there. <laughs> you know who he looks like? He looks like Tom Green, the the c- comedian. Yes. Actor, uh, both of those words in double quote marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Head to the head to the audio podcast at UK Show Seventy Two and have a look at some of the uh, some of the plunder items web web links. They're very funny. They're very good. That's anyway. fantastic stuff. Well, for this show, um, I've been Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman, and uh, I, I I have been uh, Grant Ledger. Grant Ledger, but next week I should have returned back to being Adam Yanch. Hey, goodbye. Yay. Yay.